This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. When we've been working with our people in Living Your One Thing, one of the common questions that keeps coming up is, how do I teach this to my kids? (laughs) How do I teach my kids how to focus? How do I teach my kids how to goal set? How do I teach my kids how to think so they can get what they need when they need it? Because folks, this stuff ain't taught in schools. Or is it? Today, we're going to have a conversation with a woman. She and her husband, Jeff Sandifer, co-founded the Acton Academy, which if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you heard the Acton School of Business being advertised for a period of time. This is a school that Jay Papazan sends his kids to, and it has just really transformed the way that kids learn. And so we're going to have a conversation today about what it looks like to completely turn learning upside down so that your kids are not stuck in a, a broken model and how you as a parent can start showing up at a higher level to develop your children to become extraordinary people. With that, let's get into this conversation with Laura Sandifer, the co-founder of the Acton Academy and author of Courage to Grow, How Acton Academy Turns Learning Upside Down. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. I remember when I flew out to Austin for the second time. The first time was for my bachelor party. <laughs> second time was to interview with Jay for the opportunity to start this company with him and Gary. I remember sitting at Jay's dinner table in his house with his family, and he was walking me through how his kids stopped going to traditional public school and started going to this awesome new way of education called the Acton Academy. And what blew me away was how his kids were so engaged in what they were doing. I had never seen kids so passionate about learning. And when they really started to dissect why the traditional education system is broken and how there's a better way to really be learning and and turning learning upside down, I was just, I was amazed. So where did you and Jeff come up with the idea for Acton? We literally made it up. <laughs> both, of us, both of us come from the traditional public school system. We both had that memory of the magical teacher that changes your life. We both ended up going to private university and graduate school and ended up doing education as part of our professional paths, but not 
with the intention of ever starting a school. It was only when we became parents and we had these young children who were depending on us to make these decisions for them that things really started to change. We had, um, I have a stepdaughter who at the time was in a private elementary school here in Austin and two young boys, they were five and six years old, we had them in a Montessori school and we realized our Montessori school was not going through elementary school. So we knew we had to make a decision to move the boys at some point. So we were just assuming we would go to the same school that their older sister went to. And Jeff went one day to talk to one of their best teachers. He was the math teacher. And he said, so how soon do you think we should move our boys into a traditional classroom? And the teacher said, well, as soon as possible, as long as they've, as much time as they've had with the freedom of choice of a Montessori school, the longer they're there, the harder it will be for them to sit still at a desk all day, all day to learn. So you better get them over here pretty quickly. Well, Jeff, that really floored Jeff. And he said, well, I don't blame them for not wanting to sit at a desk all day. And the teacher said, I don't blame them either. And it was that afternoon, Jeff came home and he said to me, Laura, we're done. We've got to do something different. These schools haven't changed since we went to school and the world around us is so vastly different. The future our kids will face, is we can't even imagine what that's going to be like. He said, let's just either homeschool or start our own school. And that day we just said, okay, let's do it. I knew I didn't want to homeschool because I believe a community around my children is really important. Uh, so we decided rather than just doing homeschool, we'd basically create a homeschool on steroids and see if anyone would join us. And that's that was the day it all started. One of the things, I mean, when you talk about turning learning upside down, I remember when Jay was walking me through saying, you know, traditional school, they put you in a grade based up by your age. You know, a passing grade is a D. So you would never, ever, ever build a foundation of a house with only 60% of a foundation. It would crumble. Yet these, these core elements that you have to learn, you pass with 60% of a foundation. And it's no wonder we're growing up really struggling. Yet there's another way, which what if age was irrelevant? What if you advanced based on your mastery of the subject matter? Yes. And he told me the story of how somebody who was in one of his daughter's classes, you know, they were, quote, behind in terms of math, meaning they were older than where they really should um, have been in, in the normal curriculum for a public school. Yet that's just how long it took them to master the foundational element. And once they did, they were like a hockey stick and they surpassed everybody else super quick because they were actually given the time to learn in a way that they could learn. That's right. It, there's a magic to uh, the adaptive technology that's available now for online learning. So that's what we did. We saw we saw that opportunity. We also saw opportunity for things that had been left behind as America grew. Basically, the really ancient ideas of the one-room schoolhouse, apprenticeships, the Socratic method. So we decided to blend those two things. Let's put mixed ages together where kids can teach each other. Let's, when they're at in middle school, let's get them out in the world having apprenticeships in areas that really interest them and they're passionate about. And let's use only questions, no answers. The children 
need to learn how to learn more than they need to learn facts. So with those, the, the combination of the very old and the very new, we've seen exactly what you're talking about. Children who were stuck and maybe thought they weren't good at something just needed some more time. And when they're not pushed you know, forward on this assembly line based on their age, they have all the time they need. What's interesting, I think, is the self-paced program usually means they end up going really fast. Uh, we had one girl come in from a public school, a traditional school, and she just said, I'm terrible at math. I, I just can't do math. Well, she started doing Khan Academy, which is the online program we use. And over a nine-month period, she worked through all of elementary school math and two years into middle school math. And she came to me one afternoon and she said, you know what, I'm not bad at math. It just takes me a while to get down the fundamentals. And once I have those, I'm actually really good at it. So she just needed to master those foundational skills and not be pushed forward, like you said, with a D. And then she felt really good about herself. Well, that was, um, I had a very similar experience. I remember in middle school, I really struggled with pre-algebra and I think I got like a C plus. And when we sat down for the parent-teacher conference, um, the teacher said he he can move forward, but we actually suggest that he do it again next year. And I remember um, the ego of thinking like, what will people think of me if I got held back in this one subject? But we made the decision to take it over again. And that next year I knocked it out of the park and I was one of the top students and that transformed my confidence around math, which led all the way in, even in through college, just it changed my entire educational career, um, which allowed me to develop a lot of the skills that Gary and Jay were looking for in a CEO of a company. Oh, that's so cool. I love that story. And it makes me really sad to think how many kids are stuck believing they can't do something. You know, this fixed mindset rather than a growth mindset that mm-hmm. sometimes you just need more time. You're not there yet, but you'll get there. And with that switch of in mindset, kids just become on fire with learning and they they know they can do it. They just have to push through the struggle. Um, and that's part of our whole uh, framework. Well, the fundamental part of our framework is the message of the hero's journey. We believe that each child is a genius and deserves to find a calling and change the world. And our definition of genius is, is similar to the definition of um, hero, that each person has a special, unique gift within themselves. And the real journey of life is to uncover your own gifts and use them to serve others in the world. And that, you know, reading your book, the the, the One Thing book really has so many transformative messages in it. If only I would apply them all. We're good. We, maybe you can help me on that. But yeah. the, the, the definition you all have of, you know, the accountable person <laughs> is really what how our children at Acton Academy define themselves. That's the definition they use for heroes, someone who takes responsibility for their actions and owns them, knows they're going to fall down, but doesn't blame someone else for that, just gets back in the arena and keeps progressing forward. Yeah, I don't remember what grade that was in my course curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just learning it now. And I I wish I had had this for myself. That was part of the motivation when Jeff and I were designing this school is what's what's our dream school that we would want to attend? What would set us free? And so these pieces we're actually using in our own lives um, as a married couple, as a family, just in our own personal growth. And it's things like having a, a very specific purpose for what you're doing, having very specific goals, 
and having someone hold you accountable. We have six-year-olds doing these things. They write SMART goals every single day. They block out time for their SMART goals. And they can tell you, they'll sit down and say, yes, my goal is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. (laughs) And then at the end of the week, they'll look at their SMART goals from the week and they can tell you what they achieved and what they didn't achieve. Mm -hmm. And they'll analyze and reflect upon it and come back and say, well, what I'll do next week to get better is this. So these young children are reflecting on their work and I'm just in awe. And that's the thing, my biggest lesson is, We are selling children very short. They can do amazing things. They totally rock when it comes to setting goals and believing in themselves. It's not beautiful all the time. You know, it's messy and chaotic, and there are monsters to fight on this hero's journey. The main ones being, and you talk about this a lot, and I really relate to it, and so do the children. The main thieves or monsters on the journey are distraction resistance and victimhood. So, you know, I battle those things. These young children are reflecting on how they can fight off those thieves of their journey, how they can recognize when they're resisting something. They just don't want to take that first step and they blame it on being bored. You know, I'm so bored. Well, we know and we talk about what that boredom is probably being frustrated or stuck. And so how can you get unstuck instead of just saying I'm bored? They start to learn techniques mentally to fight those inner monsters that just keep you stuck in your in your journey. Right, right. And and, and for people who are listening to this, where that translates into what Gary and Jay wrote in the book is is that fear of chaos, the inability mm. to say no. <laughs> Anybody struggle with those things? Oh yeah, all of us. Uh, here, yes. Here, here's my question, Laura. So, if I'm a parent. And I'm listening to this. So many people in Living Your One Thing have asked the question, how do we teach this to our kids? What does it look like to incorporate that purpose, that goal setting into family life? How can we as parents be serving our children at a higher level? Well, I think there's three specific things. The first thing is really a mindset shift for parents. I've had to do this and I'm still working on it. I consider myself just on the journey, not an expert in the least, but becoming a learner yourself, I think is the very first thing. I think parents often get in the trap of thinking they're supposed to be the experts and have all the answers to life for their children. But life changes as a parent when you become a learner and you become curious, as curious as your child is, about your child even, you know, who is this wonderful creature and how can I get to know them better? So becoming a learner, understanding how hard it is to learn something new. And secondly, writing a family plan. And this is something that we actually hit some resistance on when we very first started. Our very first information uh, session, we hosted it down at the Acton School of Business, which is where um, Jeff was teaching at the time. And we said, well, we're going to start this school and we'll have every family write a family plan. And immediately, you know, parents' arms shot up in the air and said, well, you can't tell us how to run our families. And we said, we do not want to tell you how to run your families. All we want to do is have you think about how you run your families. So if your family is the most important organization in your life, why don't we sit down and talk about how do you define family? 
what does it mean to be a woods? What does it mean to be a Sandifer? Write those unique traits down. Have a description of what your family is and who you are. And then as a family, document what your mission is. What is your mission as a family? What is your rallying cry? Which means what is the one thing you really need to focus on now? Is it a financial issue? Is it a health issue? Do you need more time together? But there's got to be one thing maybe for the next season or the next quarter that you're going to focus on. We call that the rallying cry. It's, it's pretty transformative as a parent because you see your family life becoming transformed. You start chopping out all the excess waste things you do that you don't like and you don't want to do and aren't necessary or important to your life, but you're doing them anyway. Yeah. Um, we had one child in his, um, he shared at one of the Socratic morning discussions that they had written their family plan. And he said, my mom asked me what I wanted our family to do. And I told her, I don't want to be so busy all the time. Mm. And I think that's something we parents do. We just fill up, you know, the schedules are just full. And I don't think children need to be busy. I think there needs to be big chunks of time in family life. That's one of the reasons that act and we don't assign homework, for example. You know, families just need time. They don't need a school to dictate what their after hours should be like. So let, let's pull back because I'm hearing you say, so first thing is really the mindset shift for parents where you have to first and foremost commit to being a learner yourself. You know, there's, yes. there's no way that you can stretch and grow your children if you're not stretching and growing yourself. You have to go on the journey with them. Um, I'm hearing a genuine curiosity about your child, just asking who is this wonderful creature and how can I get to know them better? And then actually having a plan that you are going to follow with them versus acting entrepreneurially, which is what most people do, just trying to figure it out and wing it every day. What do you think is the biggest opportunity for parents with their children? This may sound crazy, but... Embracing the struggles that come up. The biggest opportunity is when your child comes home crying because their feelings got hurt on the playground or they missed a goal or they, they distracted someone else and got you know in trouble for it. At Acton, we don't use that language, but our, we have contracts. But if they break the contract, so they're devastated, they're upset. Parents who are kind of an ordinary parent reaction is wanting to fix those struggles. You know, I want to get in there. I'm going to go tell the teacher that that's too hard. They need to fix that, you know, or whatever, or call that other parent and fix this social issue. You know, they're just being mean to my child. The extraordinary parent, on the other hand, would say in their head, perfect. This is the perfect learning opportunity. I've been waiting for this moment. My mm. child my child is going to come through this struggle on the other end, understanding what it means to do what you say you're going to do or to be kind or what it feels to feel left out and then not do it to someone else. Instead of pushing back and wanting to fix the struggles or fix the problems, actually let them be and be with them in it. Don't ignore it. Just you know, call it what it is, but don't take it away. Um, that's been my biggest lesson. I used to be that mom who, when my little boys were out on the basketball court and their shoe was untied, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I would go and tie their shoe on the basketball court. <laughs> and so, or I would go run home if they forgot their backpack and bring it to them because I didn't want them not to have their lunch. Well, those things, you know, in, in the short term, that might be okay. In the long term, 
that's pretty debilitating for a child, frankly. And so I have learned to just bite my lip, sit with them, say, I love you. Now get back in the game. So that's the opportunity I think some parents miss because we're afraid because we hate to see our children suffer. So we forget that it's actually an opportunity because the stakes are low, relatively speaking, when they're living in our own environment. Pretty soon when they're out driving on the road or, you know, there's drugs and drinking involved, things are going to change. The, high, the stakes get much higher pretty darn quickly. And so we want them to struggle. We want them to have mistakes now when we can be there with them. So that that's what I think sometimes we miss. Well, and I think this has been one of the most eye-opening experiences for me since I got into business with Gary and Jay, since I got a coach, um, since I started really studying the power of asking great questions. I remember Jay saying, leadership is teaching people how to think so they get what they need when they need it. You teach people how to think by asking them questions. And as my coach started asking me questions, as Jay asks me questions, as Gary asks me questions, I started realizing how often um, in the moment I was telling myself the story, I didn't know the answer until they hit me with a two by four with a really great question that required me to go internal and actually search for a great answer. And what do you know? The answer came out. I remember taking that home and looking at my four-year-old daughter who you talked about that tying the shoe example. We uh, had, my wife and I realized we've been doing a lot for her uh, that we probably should not have been doing. And in those moments, even when like you talk about something happens at school and they come home and they're so hurt by it and you're not quite sure what to say. And instead I just asked a question and she was actually able to go and self-discover the answer of what she should do. And I was blown away. I'm like, okay, little mini me, way smarter. This is awesome. (laughs) But you know, that's such a wonderful, that's just a wonderful story because what that does is it gives her so much respect and you're just handing your trust to her. And that's what I think is most powerful. That's what's so shocking with this model of, we call it um, student-driven learning because the children take the lead. We've completely switched the power structure. It's not an adult telling a child what to do. It's an, an adult pushing power to the children and the children rise up and solve their own problems and they learn how to learn and they help each other. And it's really an amazing thing to see. But what you just did is your child, whether she could verbalize it or not, knows Daddy trusts me to figure something out. Um, Maria Montessori once said, the greatest thing a teacher can hear is, thank you for letting me do this on my own. And when the teacher is no longer needed, you know you've been successful. And I think that's been one of the problems in the traditional system is God bless the adults working there because it's it's hard work. Uh, my mom was a teacher. I wanted to be a traditional teacher. I just I was raised in a generation of principals and superintendents, but but it becomes a very adult-centered environment and the controlling of behavior becomes adult-centered and children are just left to respond rather than to be proactive about their lives. And that's really that's really sad for the future. I think because it it deadens curiosity and I think curiosity is the ticket to finding your own potential. So we have to keep that curiosity alive. And every time you look at your daughter and you say, hmm, I wonder what you're going to do or I'm so excited to see how you'll solve that problem. I know you can do it. 
she's going to be glowing inside. I'm just really excited for all the children who get to hear that from adults. Mm. So you wrote Courage to Grow, How Acton Academy Turns Learning Upside Down. What does somebody discover in this book? Well, the surf at the surface, you could look at the book as this is a an origin story of a school. And you'll learn about what online learning is, what the Socratic method is, what the hero's journey is. It's basically a startup of a small business, the highs and lows, the you know, <laughs> rocky road it is to have a small startup and watch it grow. So that's the surface story. And you gain a lot, I think, just from hearing our painful, from our painful mistakes about finding the right customers and all of that good stuff. The deeper story, and this is what I found as I was writing it and living it, is it's really a story of personal transformation and a family's transformation. It's a pretty self-revealing story. My children were generous enough to let me write it about them as well. But there's a twist at the end, and the twist is really a magic secret to parenting in life. And it's very much in tandem with your work, with the one thing, you know, the one thing. And there's there's a secret there, and I don't want to reveal it, but it's something that through the journey, you see that what Acton is doing, it's not really a school as much as it is a human growth machine. And human growth requires suffering. Mm Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, (laughs) but you can't escape that. Growth is hard. And I think so often uh, we want an easy way out and life needs to be good and fun. And I just want to be happy. But what I learned and the message I hope other people can take away is it's okay when it's hard. And going through hard things actually makes you who you are. Yeah, I, I remember, I think it was episode 68, I had a conversation uh, with Dr. Susan, Susan David. She wrote a book called Emotional Agility. Oh, I loved that. Oh, hey, that was a great. Go. Oh, yes. So um, are you guys connected? No, but I would love to be. Okay, I'm writing that down. I'll make that connection. Thank you. I love what she said. When, when, our, when our children, they feel these negative emotions, um, parents, we just want, we don't want our babies to feel pain. And so we will unfortunately, try just to shift their mindset and get them to push it down instead of really acknowledging and walking them through teaching them how to think. Because anytime you feel a negative emotion, what's really happening is there is a value that's being violated and teaching them how to objectively look and say, no, no, I I am not angry. You are not an emotion. You're noticing that you're feeling the emotion of anger and that's because of what? What is that? underlying value that really matters to you that's being violated and being able to look at it objectively, suddenly you don't view yourself as the emotion. <laughs> oh, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I'm so glad you guys don't know each other yet. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited by that. Just listening to her voice is <laughs> so fabulous. Oh, she's a, she's a hoot. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, I loved that. That was really great. But yes, that idea of being able to pinpoint what you're feeling and not be managed by that, but be able to separate it and then move forward. We do something at Acton Academy with mindfulness, which I know that you're appreciative of, and just being able to learn how to breathe and how you can change the chemistry in your brain by how you breathe. And children can learn to move their breath around 
and then also watch thoughts go by and be able to name a thought, name an emotion, and then act. Just that simple process is transformative for children in their learning. They don't feel so out of control or stressed. And it's just a wonderful way to help someone move along in their learning journey when you can give them that tool. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I, I, I have to say one of the cutest things my daughter has ever done is when she sat down with me, she's like, daddy, let's meditate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then she like got into Lotus position and she, go, and she started going, <laughs> oh. like, okay. okay, sweetie, nice try. <laughs> So if I'm a parent, I'm listening to this and I'm going, all right, what is the one thing I can do such that by doing it would allow me to develop my children at an extraordinary level? What would that one thing be? This is where the one thing challenges me so much because I always think of three things. Well, give me three and I'll turn the tables on you and work it down. Okay. So the first thing would be stop intervening. Okay. The second thing would be focus on the process, have a long-term vision rather than wanting immediate results. Like an example would be my child is not doing well in math and it makes me feel really stressed that they're not ever going to be good in math. And so I'm going to intervene and we're going to work this and we're going to get a tutor and we're going to solve this problem. Instead, focus on the process of learning and know it's a long-term thing and maybe learning to be kind and manage yourself is more important at a young age. The math will come. That kind of long-term sort of exhale vision versus I need results now. And then the third thing, the only way I can learn, I can say this simply would be just be with your child where they are. Just be. Be in the moment more. And it's something I mourn about myself sometimes too. I feel like we're so high stressed. I wish we would let go of being busy and just sit down and just be. We don't have to do anything. Just be there. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'll, I'll recap. So the first is to stop intervening. The second, which you really described, is the idea of moving from E to P. Instead of being entrepreneurial where you're just going in to fix it and it's very reactive, to be purposeful where you're following a model and a system that ultimately leads to long-term results. The third that you mentioned was to be with your child in the moment. So let me ask you, if you could only choose one, what's the one that makes all of them easier or unnecessary? Be with your child. What's the one thing that somebody can do to be with their child? Turn off their phone would be huge. Literally just do not look at emails when you're with your children. For certain, I mean, you have to sometimes, but have chunks of time. Maybe the time block is no phones, no texts, no emails during this time while my child is doing a puzzle on the floor. I'm just going to lay on my stomach and watch them do that puzzle. Mm. So I like how you narrowed it down really fast because the idea, I think there's a lot of people who will resonate with this where either they're the culprit or, or they're the victim. They're telling themselves that story, but... I remember thinking that just because I was in the room with my family meant that I was present and I was on my phone checking email and I was doing work and I wasn't actually present with them. 
And I realized the one thing I could do to transform my relationship with my family was to be present. And the one thing I could do was to not be on my phone. And the one thing I could do to make sure I was not on my phone was when I walked in the door to just walk into my office and put my phone in the office and shut the office door and then go back with my family. And that one thing made everything else easier or unnecessary. Yes. Why does it matter? I'm just thinking about, all right, so if you are checking email with your kids, why does that matter? Because the one thing that technology and the world cannot do for us is create human connection. The only way to do that is to be fully present with someone. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to be fully present because our minds are crazy. You know, I, I've got the monkey brain. There are 10 things I want to do. The one thing really nailed it for me on multitasking. I used to think I can take my dog on my run with me while I listen to a podcast and text literally while running on the trail. Doing all those four things took stripped me of the joy of running for one thing. And I wasn't very good listening to the podcasts because I was doing these other things. So I wasn't being fully myself. I cannot be fully myself with my child if my phone is on because my brain isn't focused on my child. They don't require much. What they require is a connection with their loving parent. And that to be present for that, this time is fleeting. Our time with them is fleeting. My boys are now 15 and 16 years old, and they were just four and five. I mean, literally, I cannot believe this. But the time with them still is so magical, but I still have to turn my phone off and just be, just sit there. So and this is where I, I still am on my road to mastery in this, which is my very kind way of saying I still suck at this. <laughs> um, I run the company. I am a driver. I move fast. I love having a million things to do, um, knowing that I just have to get, just na- knock priority after priority out. And then I get home and it's a completely different pace. In the, in the, in the nicest way of saying it, it's just a different level of stimulation. And even last night, I'm just sitting there with my daughter and she's drawing something and just watching her draw, uh, I can find the gratitude and appreciation. And sometimes it almost feels like you're watching the grass grow. (laughs) How do you get over that? Well, I'm not sure except being aware, first of all, that you want to be present for her. So just an awareness of that desire. And then like everything else, take small steps in the right direction. So maybe you can go 10 minutes without Mm -hmm. wanting to run away. 10 minutes is, frankly, 10 minutes of quality time with your child when she's drawing is actually really good. That will go, that's great. It doesn't have to be three hours. I actually had a friend who was a psychologist tell me 15 solid minutes in the morning and 15 solid minutes at the night with quality when you're literally there, nothing else but full attention and raptured by your child will pay dividends. So I'm not talking about having, you know, three hour activities every day with your child, but it's connecting Mm. at regular intervals. And I think when you break it down like that, it becomes manageable. And then you can change your mind like, oh, this is actually feeding me too. It's not just for her. I am breathing slower. I'm getting my new mind on. I'm going to better when I walk away from this. I want this. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's having that mental switch also that you're built for that and she, she wants it, but you're also better for it as well. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think what what was important about what you just said there, and this is so true in terms of what it takes to live the one thing, we set this false expectation that we have to be perfect 100% of the time. We have to time block every minute of every single day, and we have to flawlessly crush every distraction and honor the time block perfectly. Otherwise, we're a failure. Hmm. When you set the bar that high, you are guaranteeing failure. The whole idea of one thing is you think big in terms of your vision and go really small. Mm-hmm. What I heard you just say, Laura, is it's it's not about three hours of watching, being enthralled and watching her do stick figures that really look at, like abstract art. <laughs> can I give myself permission to set the bar at 10 minutes? And if I can't do that, can I set the bar at five minutes? And if I can't do that, can I set the bar at one minute so that I earn the right to build up to five? So I earn the right to build up to 10 I like that so much. I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I <laughs> just really, I'm, I really beat myself up all the time. Another thing I heard on the uh, podcast about the emotional, what was the word? Emotional, emotional agility. Yeah, is the self-compassion. And I think for parents, that I really resonated with the idea of giving yourself compassion as a parent. Treat yourself well and be nice to yourself. I think we beat ourselves up that we're supposed to be so perfect all the time. Well, I do. And so it's a relief to just, you know, be with your child and be okay with it not going perfectly. That's totally fine. I just gave myself a hug. Oh, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> Snuggles. Snuggles. You know, and if you want to get crazy about it, another a new appreciation I have found is in processes and systems. Uh-huh. I used to just rebel against that because I thought you can fly by the seat of your pants. Life is so much fun when you just take it as it comes. And Acton Academy has taught me You gain so much when you break things down into a process and a system, even with things in family life, you know, so maybe you can, there's certain times of the day, it's exactly 7.45 to eight o'clock that is your attention time. You know, you can really, you can break it down and make this into a process that then becomes a habit. And as you know, that will ultimately develop your character and determine your destiny. That's our education philosophy at Acton Academy is that your daily decisions affect your habits over you know a period of time 60 days or whatever it is 66, but deliberate yeah. 66 deliberate practice will develop your character and your character actually determines your destiny mm. and we, we we yeah that's we, through your habits and you forge your character which i love the root of the word character being an etching into your heart because etching your heart is kind of painful when you really, if you think about that. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. No, it doesn't sound fun. It sounds very bloody and very painful, but it's it's pretty permanent. So when you go through the process, usually you gain character through, once again, here we're back to the struggle that I keep talking about, kind of the agony of it all. Actually, you're, you're carving into your heart the kindness, the responsibility, the courage, the tough-mindedness, even the honesty that will help you really gather your inner treasures. And then there you are. There's your destiny. There's your calling. You can use what's within yourself to find something to do in the world that meets a specific need that you can actually learn a earn a living doing, if that's the case. Many people find their career is their calling. Some people don't. And that's okay. Their calling is sometimes outside of the career, but hopefully the those two things line up mm-hmm. and you're earn, earning a living by what you are, by your inner gifts inside. And then you really have a life that is thriving. Yeah. Well, in, in the one thing we quote FM Alexander, people don't decide their futures. 
they decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. What I love about where you're bringing this, Laura, is it's <laughs> people who are in living your one thing know this. It's it's we starts with us. We got to intentionally choose our vision for our life and work it all the way backwards and say these are the habits I need to acquire today to automatically carry us to our vision, to that life's purpose, to now be able to turn around and to share that with your children. Mm, yes. Whew. That's a whole nother level of purpose and legacy. Yes. And the, and frankly, the children can lead the way in that. Children are better at this when they start young and it becomes part of their thinking. People are sort of stunned when they walk into an acting academy and they're like, what? This isn't possible. Why are these children so happy? And the the only answer that really works is that freedom is ennobling. These children are free to pursue who they were meant to be, and they're developing habits that are feeding that, and it feels really good to them. Yeah. Laura, what would you suggest to people in terms of they've been listening to us, they're all inspired, they're super happy, they're like, yes, this is awesome, and I just don't want them to be one of those people who continue on in their day and don't change. What's the one thing they can do based on this episode? Gosh, you just ask questions that always make me pause and think really hard because it's just really hard stuff. Sidebar, so that's I, a habit I've been working on. <laughs> if if they're a parent for not I think I think the things we are ta- have been talking about here have to do whether you're a couple you don't need children as well as if you have a, a larger family with children. But I think a, two things I would suggest. One, if you can if only choose one, Laura. No, oh, gosh, gosh it's go. the one okay. thing podcast, it's not a- <laughs> two. The two things okay. is next year's podcast. <laughs> well, then I would say I have given very specific ideas and action items at actinacademyparent.com. It's a blog I write, and it's literally to help people like myself with very specific things. So it's an easy action item to just Google actinacademyparents.com. There are tools there, there are ideas, and it might inspire someone to begin a hero's journey, which to me would be the most exciting thing if someone says, wait a minute, I actually want to do something with my life that is adventurous. And what I mean by that is an ordinary person in their place of comfort saying, I say yes to step out of my comfort zone. Mm. I say yes to the journey. I know this journey is going to be hard. I'm going to face monsters, most of them in myself. Mm. When I fall down, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to be honest and I'm going to take accountability. I'm going to discover who I am and I'm going to come back from this journey and use that gift. Maybe it's the gift of like what you're doing with your podcast. I think you have captured your inner gifts and you are changing the world. And your journey isn't hasn't been easy, but you have tackled it. And it takes, you know, my the name of my book is Courage to Grow, but I really for a long time had the title Brave Enough and then I changed the title. But for me it's like the idea of having all this courage is a little daunting. All I needed in those early days when 
we had no one who had done what we were doing. We were entering territory no one had gone. People, you know, when you start messing in the education realm, people get really defensive. It's a territory that people don't want you to mess with. You know, the whole world can change, but you can't change education or people think you're this terrible person. We were called disruptors, you know, just, it was hard. But the, all I needed to do, I just had to be brave enough to go find a space find a teacher, find a couple of other families who would join me, you know, step by step by step. I focused as a micro, micro focuser in those early days. I still do. In fact, it's kind of funny. Our school is called a micro school because it's small um, and it can replicate. So even though each campus is small, now there's over 60 um, around the world in eight countries with 6,000 applications in the pipeline for entrepreneurial parents who want to start one in their own community. We have one in Pakistan, in Malaysia. It, it crosses cultural boundaries because we're bound by these principles of responsibility and accountability and the hero's journey and freedom of thinking. And so we built a kit and other people can take it, but it's a micro school. But we, so we go very, very micro and you just have to be brave enough for that. You don't have to have all this courage to go and do this massive thing. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Laura Sandifer. I really respect what her and her husband, Jeff, have done with Acton. I'll go back and I know Gary's son went to uh, Acton MBA which you can learn more at if you go to actonmba.org slash one thing. That's A-C-T-O-N-M-B-A dot O-R-G slash one thing. Here are my highlights from this episode. First and foremost is you just have to have a mindset shift as a parent. Are you really a learner? Are you the type of person who is a learner? You go through life constantly thirsty for knowledge, constantly curious about how things work and how you can do things better. How do you expect to turn learning upside down for the people who matter most to you if you first and foremost are not a learning-based person? Second, uh, I wrote down is become as curious as your child about your child. Who is this wonderful creature and how can I get to know them better? This morning I had an experience. I was doing a, a morning workout before the family got up and my, my daughter ended up waking up and coming downstairs and she sat down next to me while I was doing the workout. And at one point I looked down and I stopped and I was just like, who are you? You know, how do I get to know you better? And that question just was, was filled with so much purpose and intention. Even asking it alone was rewarding. Laura suggested writing a family plan. What does it mean to be a member of your family? What do you stand for? What are you against? What's the one thing you really want to focus on now as a family? You got a lot of opportunity in here, folks. Our question is, what's the one thing you can take action on based on this episode? How do you get into action? That's what it's all about. Great content, great guests, and hopefully backed by massive action. We know those of you who do are the people who leave us a review because we, we hear the results that you are getting. We hear the people in our Living Your One Thing community sharing the type of action they're getting. We're seeing the results they're taking because we're working with them every single week, which if that's of interest, go to the onething.com slash membership and you can learn more. 
If nothing else, please share this with somebody. It's too important of a message to not share. Thank you so much for being a fan. We appreciate you. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.